just to go over some basics for radical hysterectomy. And again, it's um, this is not a formal lecture in the sense of, uh, you know, objectives and data. It's just to tell you how to look at radical hysterectomy and pelvic nodes as we go through this. And again, feel free to ask questions. Um, It's important to mention that this staging has changed, the 2018, so be uh, comfortable with this change. The highlights are, for stage one, we have now 1B1, 1B2, and 1B3. So 1B1 are five millimeter more invasive, but the size is less than two centimeter. It's two centimeter to four centimeter would be considered 1B2. So this was in the old days, this was considered a 1B1, now is considered a 1B2. So we will be operating more and more on 1B2 lesions. And if it's four centimeters or more, it's now 1B3. Another important factor is that the width of the lesion doesn't count anymore microscopically. So we used to use seven millimeter as a uh, measure to say this is 1B1 based on width, this is gone. So it just goes by depth and by the gross lesion. Also important now is that radiology is included in this staging. So if you do a PET scan or an MRI and you have suspicious positive nodes, you can upstage patients to 3C1 with a subscript R based on radiology. If confirmed by pathology, you add P. So you can, if you have a clinical stage one, you do a radical hysterectomy, you have a positive node, now there's stage 3C1P. If you do a pre-RAD-HIS MR PET and you have a positive node radiologically, you can upstage them to 3C1R. So it's a big change from uh, the way we've done it. So stage 1B changed and stage 3 has changed. Let's talk about radical hysterectomy. And again, this is just very informal, just to give you some views. So if you look at the pelvis, the operation is designed to treat cervix cancer. And the radicality with radical hysterectomy is in the pelvic sidewall and the paracervix. If you think about it, there's not much radicality that you can do posteriorly. Once you incise the cul-de-sac, and you get into the rectovaginal septum denonviase fascia and you drop the rectum down, there's not much more tissue here that you can remove to increase your radicality. It's just air. And it's the same in the front. So when you go ventrally and you incise the bladder peritoneum and you push the bladder down, there's not much more tissue radicality that you can do. So in the ventral dorsal aspects, the radicality is just incising the peritoneum, pushing the bladder down, dropping the rectum down, Really, the radicality and the anatomy that you need to be very comfortable with is in the paracervix. That's where you can extend the radicality laterally and in depth. And that's a very important concept. Also, when you look at the pelvis, you can double the size of the pelvis by opening anatomical spaces. When you look at the pelvis, you have your anterior cul-de-sac, posterior cul-de-sac. But this 
area here, if you open it properly and you develop your paravesical and paraerectal spaces of LATSCO, you double the size of the working pelvis. That's a very important concept in GYN. As fellows, by the time you graduate, that needs to become your routine, how to open up the spaces and how to work in the pelvis. By opening properly your paravesical and paraerectal spaces, you can manage not just radical hysterectomy, you can manage any difficult pelvic operation, whether it's endometriosis, abscess, or reoperation. So understanding the spaces not only gives you a lot more room to work in, but allows you to do everything safely. It's an important part of radical hysterectomy, and it's an important part of pelvic lymphadenectomy. So you should not start cutting out lymph nodes without opening the spaces and preparing the spaces. The round ligament and the obliterated umbilical are your landmarks. When you start preparing the spaces, you divide the round ligament. You don't have to divide it all the way close to the fundus. You can divide it one or two centimeters away from here. And that allows you to make an incision medial and parallel to the round ligament. Remember this, you cut the round ligament, you make an incision medial and parallel, and that takes you to the obliterated umbilical. The obliterated umbilical is your friend for mapping and for developing the paravesical space. Don't call this the superior vesicle. It's a misnomer. You see it all the time in live surgery. You see it all the time in videos. It's a mistake. This is not the superior vesicle. This is the obliterated umbilical. The superior vesicle can be a branch from here. We see it about 30% of the time. So this is the obliterated umbilical. That's a very important initial step when you start the operation. Cut and make an incision going parallel and medial to the round to take you to the obliterated umbilical. This is a very key step to, to start to develop the space and to start your sentinel node mapping. This is the paravesical space of LADSCO. We don't call it lateral. We just call it the paravesical space. I sometimes say it's lateral because there's a medial paravesical space. There's a paraerectal space and there's a medial paraerectal space. So you need to know this. The paravesical and paraerectal spaces, they're called also LATSCO spaces. For us, we just call them paravesical or paraerectal. This is a very important space. Once you cut the round and you find the umbilical and you medialize the umbilical, this space is bounded by the external iliac vessels laterally, the obliterated umbilical medially, and it opens up this paravesical fossa, basically the obturator space. It's a very safe space to work in because you have your external iliacs. The ureter is never here. The ureter is always medial to the obliterated umbilical. If you have the obliterated umbilical in your hand and you're pulling it medially, the ureter is always medial to that. The ureter is always medial to the umbilical. You cannot injure the ureter working lateral to the umbilical. The uterine artery goes medial, so you cannot injure the uterine artery working lateral to the umbilical. Areas of danger here are the external iliac vessels, the obturator nerve, operator vein and sometimes operator artery, and then the anastomotic vein or the pubic vein. So there is a circle of veins here between the external iliac, 
the anastomotic obturator or pubic vein that anastomoses to the obturator vein going back to the internal iliac vein. That circular veins, those four veins, create the corona mortis that you need to be aware of. We can see it anytime we open that space. This is an old video, but it shows you the same concept that I'm talking about. So again, we're on the right side. You can see the right external iliac artery and vein. This is the obliterated umbilical. This is now your paravesical space of Latsko taking you to the obturator area. You can see obturator vessels. You can see obturator nerve. You can see anastomotic obturator or pubic vein. You can see external iliac vein. The anastomotic obturator or pubic vein is usually distal. It's on the pubic area. This is Cooper's ligament. But sometimes it can be a little bit more cephalad and can be a problem for you as you're doing your dissection. You can sacrifice it. You can seal it. You can clip it. But it's important to know. The pararectal space is between the ureter medially and the internal iliac artery laterally. This is also a space of lat scope. We call this the pararectal space. It's an important space because you need to separate the ureter from the iliac vessels. Two centimeters below the ureter is where the hypogastric nerve is. It's an autonomic nerve. It's sympathetic, comes all the way thoracic lumbar into the pelvic area. Developing the paravesical and pararectal spaces will help you not only find your sentinels and do your pelvic node dissection, but will be, will be the first step in preparing for radical hysterectomy. You can see the uterine artery at its origin from the hypogastric. Again, the paravesical space, lateral space of Latsko, there's also a medial component to it here. You need to develop the medial paravesical space to really find the uterine artery at its origin from the hypogastric. So developing these spaces, there are actually four of them on this sidewall. Lateral and medial paravesical, pararectal, and there's a medial pararectal space that we don't talk a lot about. That takes you to the Okobayashi area that I will show you. Area. These four spaces, if you develop them well, you can do radical hysterectomy very safely, and you can protect the nerves. Paravesical, pararectal, and then the medial counterpart. So remember, there are four spaces on the right side that you can develop. This same concept is so important when you're doing your mapping. The first thing you do when you do your mapping, you cut the round ligament, you find the obliterated umbilical, you follow with cephalad, you find the dye condensing from the paracervix, crossing from medial to lateral, crossing over the umbilical in the majority of cases. So again, on the right side of the pelvis, find the umbilical, follow with cephalad, Usually you will see the trunks crossing from medial to lateral, going to the iliac obturator area. Classic map of the anterior paracervical pathway. That's the most dominant pathway after you inject the cervix. You can see on the spine mode here, the highest precision trunks are rich coming in this way. Use the umbilical as your guide. Don't start plucking green and blue nodes without going to the umbilical. Always use the umbilical because you may be removing secondary nodes. You see these efferent trunks, they may be taking you to a higher node that looks green. And then you would call it sentinel, but it's not. You're actually missing the most important package, which is right here. 
medial to the external iliac, ventral to the hypogastric, superior part of the obturator, classic anterior paracervical pathway for drainage. So again, find the umbilical, follow it cephalad, let it be your guide. You can, you can even see the trunk without the laser crossing from medial to lateral. And again, this is the paravesical space, LATSCO. This is the medial paravesical space. If you prepare this, you'll see the uterine artery at its origin from the hypogastric. So that's, again, an important lesson for mapping. On the left side, of course, the uterus is here. This is the adnexa, left external iliac artery and vein, obliterated umbilical with the pickup. You've developed now the medial paravesical space here. And you can see the uterine artery and vein. These are the superficial vessels. So again, when you do radical hysterectomy, you must develop that medial paravesical space. Follow the umbilical cephalad. This is where you start radical hysterectomy. Of course, you do your nodes first, but the first clamp starts here. When you do a TAH, a simple hysterectomy, the first clamp goes at the level of the internal os. You push the bladder down and you put the zeppelin here. That's one big difference of radical versus simple. Your operation, clamping the uterine vessels, is at the internal iliac level. A lot of people know this. The difficulty is how deep do we go? So people know that you need to start at the internal iliac, and that gives you good paracervix, but then the paracopos is the most difficult part because people don't know how deep you need to go. You need to go to the depth of the deep uterine vein, and that's your second landmark that you need to remember uh, before you start doing radical hysterectomy. On the right side, I'm showing you this vessel again. Right external iliac artery and vein, there's an anastomotic obturator pubic vein. That's the proper name for this. It's the anastomotic obturator or pubic vein. It's part of the corona mortis. It's part of the circle of death in the old days, they used to call it. External iliac vein, pubic vein, obturator vein, internal iliac vein. Those four veins make the corona mortis. Remember that. This is the circumflex iliac area. And again, you'll have the inferior epigastric here. We stopped removing this lymph node because it causes leg lymphedema and it's not sentinel to the drainage of the cervix. Developing the pararectal space of LATSCO is critical. But like I mentioned, there's a medial pararectal space that takes you to Okabayashi space, which is very important for lateralizing the ureter and finding the hypogastric nerves and doing a nerve-sparing operation. So again, we're on the right side, right? External iliac artery and vein, obturator nerve, internal iliac vein, hypogastric artery going into the obliterated umbilical, there may be a branch here, like an obturator. There may be also a, a, a pudendal branch coming off early. But this is the space between the ureter and the internal iliac that you need to develop the uh, paterectal space landscape. This is the Okabayashi and the sacro-uterine space. So basically now you're lateralizing the ureter and you're going to the posterior cervix. To, it's a really nice space. And if you separate it, it gets that ureter out of your way. It's very important when you lateralize the ureter to develop this Okabayashi space. Simple principles of radical hysterectomy is lateralize the ureter, medialize the parametria, push your bladder and rectum down. 
That's it. If you think about it this way, it's very simple. You're lateralizing the ureter, you're medializing the paramecia or paracervix, you're pushing the bladder and the rectum down. And you can do a radical hysterectomy. And the important thing here is to try to stay safe and not injure the hypogastric nerves. This is on the right side of the pelvis again, external iliac artery and vein. This is the ureter. We call this the mesoureter. It's a misnomer, but it's a way to understand the anatomy. The cervix is here. The paracervix is here. The uterine perfusion is here. So it's water under the bridge, uterine artery and vein. And again, I'm showing this picture because it shows you the anatomy to the hypogastric nerve. It's two centimeters below the ureter and the mesoureter. So that's an important landmark to try to protect these nerves. They're important for bladder innervation, bladder function, vaginal function, sexual function. When you look posteriorly, we call these the uterosacral ligaments. We all call them uterosacral ligaments. They're misnomers. They don't insert in the sacrum. They actually wrap around the rectum, the rectouterine. But we all call them the uterosacral ligaments. The hypogastric nerves run here, and you can see them in a thin patient. And Depending on, you know, the anatomy, again, you can see on the left side, you can see the hypogastric nerve below the ureter on a thin patient. Try to do that when you're operating on thin people. Try to see the ureter. We always see the ureter, so try to go two centimeters below it and practice seeing the hypogastric nerve uh, when you're doing robotics or laparoscopy on a thin patient. Very easy to see and remember that landmark. The innervation is thoracic lumbar, it's sympathetic. And again, your pelvic splanchnic and sacral nerves also innervate. Those we don't see until you dissect really deep into the paravesical space, but the hypogastric nerves are very easy to see and protect. Depending on how far you end up cutting, you will injure these nerves. So traditionally, if you look at old books in anatomy, they would say for radical hysterectomy, you have to clamp two-third the distance between the cervix and the rectum. That guarantees that the hypogastric nerve is going to get cut. Some people, you would watch videos or you, you uh, look at them giving talks, they would call them ligaments. They're nerves. They, they thought they were fibrous structures and they were being cut. So these nerves are very easily cut if you start clamping really wide. There was a time when true radical hysterectomy, you had to cut like hugging the rectum here. I mean, guaranteed those nerves were being divided. Even if you go two-thirds of the distance, you're probably cutting them. So you have to be very careful protecting them. The time you injure the hypogastric nerve is posteriorly. There's nothing that you do anteriorly or laterally that's going to injure them. It's the posterior dissection that injures the hypogastric nerves. When you're doing your paracolpos or pararectal bites, this is where the nerve gets injured because you can get carried away and you forget this relationship between your order and the nerves and those can be clamped or divided. The operation starts at the internal iliac, so external iliac artery and vein, obturator nerve. These are branches of the internal iliac. You can have an obturator branch, you can have a pudendal branch. The operation starts here, and then everything is medialized, and the ureter is lateralized. <coughs> this is again on the left side, and I'm showing you this picture. This is very important. Left external iliac and artery. This is where you start your radical hysterectomy. You divided the superficial uterine artery and vein at the hypogastric. This is now your medial pedicle. Your job now is to take this, medialize it with the cervix and the uterus, the ureter, lateralize it. That's a simple concept. Lateralize the ureter, 
medialize the parametria and paracervix to do a radical hysterectomy. The part that's challenging is the paracolpos. That's the deeper part. So when you're doing a type B resection, this becomes less of an issue. But if you're doing a C1 or a C2, that becomes more important. Everyone knows where to start. Not everybody knows how deep we go. We go to the level of the deep uterine vein. This is the deep uterine vein. This is the artery, superficial artery and vein. This is the deep uterine vein. It can be one, it can be two, it can be three. And I usually seal them. I would not leave them as I go through the operation. They burst on me and they can be very problematic. I usually control them. Why do we stop at the deep uterine vein? Because the hypogastric nerve right here runs just under the deep uterine vein. So that's the safety limit to do a C1 nerve-sparing radical hysterectomy. It's a very simple principle. We don't cut much deeper here. We don't try to go below these two centimeters because you're trying to protect the hypogastric nerve. So now you know how to develop the spaces, where to start your radical hysterectomy, and that your job is to medialize the parametria, lateralize the ureter, and that you're going to go as deep as the deep uterine vein. It can be one, two, or three. You secure it. This is another view. And again, we're looking on the left side. The uterus is here, left adnexa, left iliacs. The umbilical is on a babcock. Again, very important landmark. You can see the ureter. We've already started the operation, cut the uterine artery and vein. This is now the beginning of your paracervix, parametria. This is going to be lateralized. The ureter, I'm sorry, medialized. The ureter is going to be lateralized. You can put a vessel loop and pull it that way. And you can see the hypogastric nerve. But before you continue, secure your deep uterine base. Secure them so you can move your paracolpus without difficulty later. As you lateralize the ureter, there will be a small ureter branch here that you can secure. This is a very easy part of the operation. It's those three or four centimeters here that are tricky when the ureter is going through the tunnel. That's the part that you need to dissect on roof. And this is the most difficult part of the operation. The lateral parametria is easily understood. The dorsal is easily understood. The ventral, which is the third part of the parametria, is the most difficult part to understand. And my rule is let the ureter guide you. Follow the ureter, stay ventral and medial, and you'll be safe. So as long as you follow the course of the ureter, you will be safe. The most difficult part of the parametria is the ventral parametria. This one, I think by now, hopefully you have it. The posterior, we've also talked about it. That's the part that you need to be careful with. This distance is two centimeters. Take a ruler and measure it. You will never forget it if you do it once. So again, on the right side, right external iliac artery and vein, umbilical. This is the uterine pedicle. This is the superficial uterine artery and vein. You can see the relationship to the hypogastric nerve and the ureter. Do it all the time when you do radical hysterectomy to find your anatomy. And you can measure that distance. It's about two centimeters, depending on how much you're stretching ureter from hypogastric nerve. The paracervix parametria has three components. This is the most difficult one, the anterior. We've talked a lot about the lateral, or we've talked about the posterior. So these are the spaces where the radicality is. It's not really up and down. It's in this area here where the radicality happens. The 
basic principles, again, to review between a simple hysterectomy and a radical hysterectomy. When you start simple hysterectomy, your first clamp is at the level of the internal os. And every clamp after that goes medial to that clamp. If you clamp here and then every clamp goes medial to it, then that first clamp gets lateralized, taking the ureter away with it. Very simple, basic principle for TAH. First clamp, internal os, all your other zeppelins go medial to that. Completely different from radical hysterectomy, where you basically start at the internal iliac and medialize everything as you go. You need to lateralize the ureter. Here you don't touch the ureter. Here you can literally hug the cervix and sometimes maybe even clamp right on it and shave right on it, and you don't need any vaginal cuff. Here you need to resect para-cervix and para-corpus, and you need to get a couple of centimeters of vaginal margin around the tumor. How much vagina is removed? Again, it's important to do upper vaginectomy with radical hysterectomy. It's an area where tissue can fail and tumors can fail. Traditionally, we say about two centimeters, but this can be tailored to the lesion. With simple hysterectomy, you're shaving right on the cervix. With radical hysterectomy, you need to get a couple of centimeters. Sometimes even uh, with gross lesion, of course, you need to do that. But sometimes you may even want to take it out if you're concerned about something in the fornix, even without significant. Because doing the upper vaginectomy and some paracopos is a very important part of radical hysterectomy. This is the Wertheim clamp that we talk about. It's a very important part of the procedure that you clamp and control the tumor and the upper vagina, then you put two zeppelins below that and you cut. So when you're removing your tumor, you never see the tumor. The tumor is always encased by soft tissue. There's no open copotomy. And I think this is an important part of safety. And I think this was, to me, probably the main problem with the lab trial, MIS versus open, is the control of the tumor at the time of copotomy. I think that was the main culprit. Dissecting the distal ureter, medializing the paramecia, lateralizing the ureter will take two or three right angle clamps. Sometimes it's one clamp, sometimes it's a few. It's very important that you push the bladder down as far as you can. And then there's a lot of tissue here in the ventre that can be safely divided. So make it as thin as possible before you unroof the ureter. So that's a trick to help you unroof the ureter. If you just push the bladder down and start unroofing, you're going to have this much tissue to unroof through. But a lot of this ventral tissue can, we call them bladder pillars, can be divided easily until you really get right on top of the ureter with the right angle clamp. Stay superior and medial superior and medial. Don't go lateral to the ureter. There's no benefit. You're just going to injure the ureter. Your goal is to lateralize the ureter. So stay on top of it and medial to it. The Okabayashi space is very important because once you open it, it's going to help you lateralize that distal ureter a lot and also help you protect the hypogastric nerves. Okabayashi is a Japanese surgeon, worked and published in the 1915 and 2021. It was not a nerve-sparing operation. Kobayashi, who followed him in the 1960s, published the nerve-sparing. A lot of the nerve-sparing procedures really came from Japan. Again, dividing the paracopos is very important when you're doing a C1 operation, and it's an area where you will injure the nerve. So the paracopos bites are, have to be done very carefully because that's where you injure the nerve, and the paracopos bites. 
At the end, it will look something like this. You've dissected the ureters all the way to the bladder. You have your vaginal cuff sutures. You've developed your spaces. <coughs> and again, uh, the rectum is dropped. So usually, principle posteriorly is the fat stays on the rectum as you dissect the posterior uh, make your posterior incision, get to the non-biase fascia, rectovaginal septum, the fat stays on the rectum and it drops down, and then you can take as much tissue as you want. And of course, anteriorly, the dissection, you have to see the ureters all the way to their insertion into the bladder to make sure that you've uh, lateralized them completely, there's no kinking, there's no injury, and your hysterectomy is done. So this is not the end of this. We're going to do another talk next week, and I can talk again and again and again. We can repeat this as much as you want. This is just a 30-minute overview. And what I need from you is to tell me what you want to hear. So we can bring, I mean, I know what I, I can speak as much as I can, but you need to tell me what's important to you. Where are the areas of confusion, and what can I do to, to help make this more clear? This is not easy. You know, understanding radical hysterectomy and the pelvis is not easy. It can take you a few years, but if you really follow the basics of the spaces and the umbilical ligament, it, you will get it.